man. Hey, sorry about that, y'all. We fixed it. So we're going to have worship. Yeah. That's a lot better than boo. like it's already been a day, hasn't it? Welcome to church. Welcome to a safe place. Will you stand with me? You know, with technical difficulties and issues and simple problems that become chaotic, I find that in life, uh, those are the times that I need to worship most. So sing with me. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the Hallelujah, and my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me.
times we think of it as a benediction, something that you say at the end, we say it a lot, it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you, protect you, may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace, and the interesting thing about that is, that is not at the end of a service or a sermon, that's smack dab in the middle of all that Moses is saying that God has for his people. And Moses directs that at the priests, and we, we hear echoes thousands of years down the road where Peter says, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who are called forth to sing out the praises, to shout out the praises of our God. And so... That blessing is for the priesthood, which is us, right? And so let's, let's just sing that blessing to each other today and lift it up, trusting that God is the one who is the promise keeper and God is the blesser. Sing with me. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give. 
one more time.
so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing it one more time. I will sing of the goodness of God. I think of a time, well, I think back throughout my whole entire life, even before I came to know Jesus, and those, those words mean they ring true in my heart. And I don't know about for you, but during this time of prayer, that's what I want to focus on. All your life, you know, even last week I told you guys, you know, my brother who, you know, was just the last person I would think on earth that would call me up and say, hey man, I've been saved. You know, all, all I can think about is, you know, you know, God, yes, he might have done something to you now, but he's been working on you this whole time. And I don't know what age you were when you came to know who Jesus is, but if you look back from day one, from before you were even born, actually, he was a faithful God. And when you look and you, and you sing those words, all my life you have been faithful, all my life. Before I even knew you, you were faithful and you were good. And so let's just think on those times. Lord, you are such a faithful God. Even in the times that we might not think that you're a faithful God, Lord, you still are a faithful God. Lord, before we even knew that you were a faithful God. You are a faithful God. And Lord, one day, when we get to see you face to face in heaven, and you show us these things that we never even thought of or imagined, that we can't even think of or imagine even now, Lord, you're going to show us your ways and we're going to say, man, how good you were the whole time. Even in the times that I didn't think, how could this be any good? You were still good. Father, I pray that with our lives and with our hearts and with our attitudes, Lord, that we worship you in our hearts, that we worship you throughout our week. Lord, that we are, that we are your body that is meant to serve this world, serve those around us. Lord, I thank you for being here with family. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't call me or any of us to be a Christian by ourselves. Lord, but that you wanted us to do it as a community. And so, Lord, we lift you up in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God is good, huh? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Porter and Church of the Nazarene. Guys online. Uh, we started a little bit late. We didn't know if you guys could hear us, but welcome as well if you are joining us online. Isn't it so awesome, you know, for whatever the purpose is, I, last uh, or two Sundays ago, it was Jilly's birthday, we had to go visit some family in West Palm Beach, and it was just so awesome to be able to pull my phone out and to be here with you guys. And so, uh, you know, we just appreciate you guys, you know, being able to stick with us, even if you're not able to be with us here in person. And again, for those of you guys who are uh, with us here in person, thank you for coming and uh, welcome. And we really mean that, we really mean that. Uh, we have a try five uh, 
you know, invite that we have going on. And it's actually what kind of got me here. I used to come to this church way back when. Uh, but one day, me and my wife were kind of bounced between this church and Deland Church. And, uh, and, and Pastor Garen said one Sunday morning, he said, try five. It looks different every Sunday here. You never know what's going on or who's saying what or doing what. And I said, you know what, honey, let's just come on. Let's do five times in a row. Let's see how it goes. And, uh, and we, haven't been, we haven't stopped coming. And so we want to encourage you guys, if you are uh, visiting here, to try five uh, every single, you know, try five Sundays here. You'll see how we are. And uh, hopefully you'll find yourself a family here. Uh, we are a people who not only serve God, but we are people that serve God with others around us. Just like I was saying in my prayer just a few moments ago, you know, God hasn't called us to be Christians alone. And so we come to this time in the service where we get to pass the peace with one another. And with COVID and everything going like that, it might look a little bit more like a air five or like an air hug, whatever the case is, maybe waving at somebody. If you have your phones with you, feel free to even go online on our Facebook page and you'll see that we're streaming the live service. You could even tag a friend or whatever the case is. Peace be with you, as well as uh, even on YouTube and stuff like that. If you're joining us, you know, you could kind of get the video linked over to somebody, send them a link. But we come here to this time of the service to pass the peace with one another. And the peace that we talk about is not just like a, hey, I hope things are going fine with you. But in the Bible, it describes it as the peace that passes all understanding. Real quick, and, and, and listen to this question here, by a show of hands, have you ever felt that peace that passes all understanding? And keep them up if you know what I'm talking about when I say you had some crazy stuff going on in your life and just you just felt at peace. And so if you haven't, I want you to look around. There's people here that know that peace that Jesus Christ gives to us. It is the peace that passes all understanding. Whatever it is that you could be going through in your life, whether it's COVID, whether it's a job loss, whether it's an actual person that you've lost in your life, we serve a God here this morning that will grant you a peace that will just, it'll be like, the way that I can describe it is like it's the eye of the storm where you could have everything going around you that's crazy and you're just like, man, but I just feel so... Just, I feel so calm and so at peace with everything. And our God gives that to us. And so when we say, when we pass the peace, that is the peace that we talk about. And so, may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Pass that peace with one another. Hey, it is so good to see you all here. I love seeing more and more people coming back and, oops, sorry. That was an accident. Um, I get to talk about some upcoming announcements. My name is Garen, by the way. Um, Justin, Jason, Tim, Jen. Uh, who am I missing? Justin, Jason. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all of us. We got, we got people here. So... <laughs> Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to um, to serve with you, not just to serve you, but we do this together as a community. And so I'm excited about all that God is doing, and I want to make you aware of a couple of upcoming announcements. The first one we have is, as it is, this is the series that we're starting today. Pastor Jason is kicking us off in this series, and I'm so excited. If you have pictures of the kingdom of God happening, 
We want them. Now, I was talking with someone earlier, and they said, you know, it just feels really weird. It's like I'm doing something. It's like, hey, can I take your picture? The goal is not for you to create an awkward situation. (laughs) The goal is for you to see God doing things in your life for the kingdom every day. And so it may be simple things like you raking the leaves of the next door neighbor's house or you taking your friend's dog for a walk or you trying to help Drew get all of those doggone cats out from his yard and whatever it is. It could be helping in a ministry that we have. It could, it could look in many different ways. Um, uh, Kimmy was saying, well, I, you know, the other day I helped someone on the side of the road. I felt weird. I wasn't going to like say, can I take your picture? No, that's okay. We're not asking you to do something weird or put yourself in an awkward situation. But it would be very easy for you to go on Google and find car broken down on the side of the road and send me a picture that represents it. And you could say, hey, I had the opportunity to help someone on the side of the road this past week. It was really cool. I stepped out of my comfort zone and God, you know, just really helped me. It could be that simple. And we're going to start salting and peppering our services with some of these um, snapshots of the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about it for half a year, and I think sometimes it's easy to say, well, that I don't really see how that applies to where I live in Port Orange, but it does. And once you see it, you can't unsee it, and you'll start to see it everywhere. And so, so send me those pictures. You can send it to office at peonaz.church. So the office at peonaz.church. All right, the second thing that's coming up, we are in starting a new month, and each month we've been having a good neighbor offering, and I am so grateful for the way that, that this community has given above and beyond for needs. And we've been able to help people within the church, outside the church, outside the country. Six weeks ago, a town outside of Nashville of about 100, uh, uh, about a, sorry, about an hour outside of Nashville, Waverly, Tennessee, had um, what can only be described as a devastating and catastrophic flood. And um, one of the pastors there is a friend of mine, and he actually wrote a book that many of our leadership team went through called Shift. And his name is Darren, and he's at the Waverly Church of the Nazarene, and we want to help and support them. He sent some statistics from the, from the um, county. Over 50% of the homes have substantial damage. Over 30% are uninhabitable. Can you imagine if that were to happen? I mean, we have a lot of, you know, we have hurricanes that come through, but we don't have 50% of our community destroyed. Um, At least I don't think we do. We haven't recently. So this is our chance. For the month of October, we're going to be having money that we're going to collect, and we're going to be sending it to Waverly Church of the Nazarenes so that they can distribute it within their community in a way that works best for them, and they can meet the needs. He posted two days ago, it's six weeks after the flood, and this is when the adrenaline is starting to fall off. This is when the hard work is starting to set in, and this is when the patience is starting to run out, and this is also when the goodwill and the generosity of others is starting to fade away. And yet they're just beginning the work. And so I would love for us to be able at the end of the month to send them a check and just say, we don't know where you need this to be, but put it wherever you need to help the community. And so that is our good neighbor offering for the month of 
October. You can send it to uh, pionazchurch.give, and you can select the Good Neighbor drop-down. You can text it. You can put a check in the box and write Good Neighbor, and we'll get it to the right place. So um, thank you. Uh, this is a place that's close to my heart. It was about 90 minutes from where I grew up, and so, um, yeah. So I appreciate the way that you have given and given and given. I want to tell you about something that's happening this Saturday. Celebrate Recovery Night of Worship. It's going to be exciting, and, and here's your next step. You know, we give announcements, and a lot of times it just kind of goes over because I don't give you a next step. Here's your next step for this one. Show up at 645 and spend an hour to an hour and a half worshiping God in an amazing atmosphere. It's right here. We're hosting it this time. So show up. It's going to be a great night of worship. I'm going to do my best to be there. Um, and so it's going to be great. And the last thing we're going to talk about, sorry, we have a lot, but we've got, we've got a lot going on. November 14th. So excited. We are finalizing more details. You are going to want to set a reminder on your calendar to be here in person, November 14th. If you're watching us online and you're out of state, you are more than welcome to drive in. We will not provide housing. But we would love to see you here. So November 14th, we are going to celebrate what God has been doing for us over the years and through God's faithfulness and your generosity and your faithfulness and God's generosity, we will be debt-free in a matter of days. And I am so thankful for that because that means we get to pour more money into Waverly and into Haiti and to, to all these things that we care about and way, places that God is moving. And it frees us up to be more and more people of the kingdom of God. And so set your calendars. It's going to be awesome. Uh, oh, I think I'm still on. Sorry. Now we come to a time of giving. Is that right? Giving back to God. Yeah. We come to a time of giving, and I don't have a super-infused nugget of truth like Justin has. He always gives you some little little story or inspirational statement or whimsical whatever. All I have is a heart full of gratitude. I have been overwhelmed with the generosity of this church. Um, and I don't just say that because I am employed here. I say that because I see the way your giving helps us support a school of almost 100 kids. I see the way your generosity helps us reach into the community. I see the way your generosity helps me be able to say yes when I get those phone calls that say, I'm having a hard time this month making my bills. Would you have anything for me? And I can give them a gift card to Walmart or something to say, I don't have a lot, but I can get you some food for the next day or two. Those types of ministries happen because you are faithful in your giving. And so I'm so, so very grateful. So let's pray, and then we're going to receive the offering. You're going to see on the screen multiple ways that you can give, and um, thank you. So, Father, everything we have is yours. We like to put our fingers on it, but it's all yours. And if, we're, and if we're honest with ourselves, we understand how quickly it can be given and how quickly it can be taken. And so we choose today to take our hands off of our worries, which are so often attached to money issues. 
We choose today to say we trust you and we give with generous hearts and generous lives because we understand that you are a generous God. And if we're going to be like you and if we're going to be images of you here on earth, that's our calling as well. And so we trust you with our finances in the same way that we trust you with our health and all other areas of our lives. We trust you. Take what we give, multiply it, use it for ministry for the kingdom. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the, the kingdom of heaven is a lot like Bucky's. I was once a man, I used to preach the goodness of Bucky's too. And he, he heard my words, but he thought, that's a gas station. And so I would, I would tell him the good news of Bucky's. He, he understood, but not, not really. I could tell, so I, I gave him some sesame sticks. They have these bags of sesame sticks. They're, they're amazing. He thought, man, those are good. Those are good things from Bucky's there. But he still didn't quite get it, so I gave him some beaver nuggets. And he began to catch little snapshots of the kingdom of Bucky's. But then I, I brought him a, a breakfast taco. Brisket, egg, and cheese. You know what I'm talking about? And he started to say, hold on, there might be something more to this Bucky's." And I said, come with me. Come to Bucky's and see. <laughs> he got there. And this guy is a believer beyond believers now. If you have not been to Bucky's, I invite you. I will take you to the kingdom of Bucky's. It will change your life. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven... 
Man, what a weird concept. What is the kingdom? Uh, I can talk about Bucky's because I'm a big believer. I love that place. I'm so happy to have one. You know, it used to be a real treat for me to drive 93 hours to go find one, save 17 cents on gas, and then spend $30 more than I ever intended to spend. Well, the kingdom of heaven is even better than that. So what I want to do is talk, uh, go through it. We just saw on the screen here just a little bit about a place where Jesus very specifically mentions the kingdom. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, this, he said, pray like this. And then, this, this little prayer. We're like, what in tarnation is he talking about the kingdom of heaven? He could have said so many things, and he's, he's got us praying about this. He could have said so many things. But he said, ask that the kingdom of heaven be here on earth like, like it is in heaven. God, your kingdom here as it is in heaven. Well, this is, uh, this is tough for many of us. And tough for me for part of my life. Because I thought, well, don't I just need to be saved? Now, when I was preparing this, this sermon, uh, it turned into one of those things where I was like, man, this might be three sermons. And I think Justin has gotten to know me a little bit. I came in, he was making fun of me. He was like, he was said he was telling Garen that we just need to cancel all the, all the music, all everything else, because Jason doesn't really have a concept of time. And so I've tried to whittle this down. So if you guys want the next few weeks off, man, I've got plenty of sermons lined up from this. Uh, but don't I just need to be saved? And in turn, just get others to say a prayer, and boom, they're good too? It seems like all that's asked of us really is something simple. But in reality, I don't think it is as simple as we think it is sometimes. What we're being called to is something that will eventually transform everything about us. It'll make us completely different. We are called to be born again. What a weird concept. And you've heard probably this example before, but a caterpillar, weird little caterpillar, all of a sudden it emerges and it's still, I mean, the the same guy there, but he's coming out with wings and and weird antenna and stuff. And uh, I'm like, this is the same being, but it's not the same being. It is complete transformation. It's not something I can call simple either. Sometimes... We like to think that it is just asking Jesus into our hearts, and that's it. Now, this could get real testy. Luckily, I'm not the lead pastor, so you can, it's easier to complain about the, an associate. But just ask Jesus into our hearts, and that's it. We're done. Well, here's a funny thing. As I've looked over the years... I was like, well, what does the Bible say about asking Jesus into our heart? I can't find it. It's a very interesting thing. Now, I understand the concept behind it. In Revelation 3.20, I read, 
here I am, I stand at the door and knock. How many of you used to have one of those little cards or pictures of Jesus standing at that door knocking? It's a great visualization. And it really helps us understand how Jesus really wants to come inside and live in our life. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. Notice, however, though, the verse does not mention hard at all. Neither does the individual ask Jesus to do anything. Rather, Jesus asks them to do something. And often the phrase, ask Jesus to come into your heart, is used as a simple way to say, ask Jesus to enter into your life. That's something very important that we've got to do. Or allow the Lord to take control, which is absolutely what we're asked to do. And if this is done in the context of a whole gospel presentation, all the good news, this is good. This is really good stuff. There's no harm done. But before a person is invited to ask Jesus into their heart, they should know what is being asked, right? That there is sin. That there is a penalty of sin. What, what equals sin in biblical terms? Death. It's not as simple as I would like it to be. I would love to go out on corners, yell at people, repent, say the magic words, you're saved. But there's a payment that was made by Jesus, an ultimate payment on the cross. That is a a complicated thing that we're still mystified over today. And then there's the, the really the reality, the weirdness, the mind-blowing part of he didn't just die on a cross, he was resurrected. This is not as simple as I really wish it was. In fact, though, referring to his resurrection, the the salvation offered to us by him as him coming into our, our heart. That is actually a really good thing. It helps us understand Jesus and his taking over of our life so that the Spirit of Christ can come and he indwells in our soul. So why does it matter? Why does it matter that in that prayer, Jesus says, ask that the kingdom might be on earth as it is in heaven. Because if we believe that following Jesus is merely just about saying, come into my heart, just uttering the magic words, it misses the point of actually believing in him. I went, you know, when I was younger, I knew all about Jesus. I grew up in church. And there was a point when I was young, I said, Jesus, come into my heart. But then it was a lifetime of growth that's still happening now, of learning what it means to believe, to really believe. If we truly believe in something, think of something you truly believe in. Something crazy, something radical. It will change the essence of how you live your life on a daily basis. I mean, imagine if you were going to lose the thing that is most precious to you in this life, if you were going to lose it tomorrow and you truly believe that, would it not change your daily action? Or if you truly believe that the greatest thing ever could happen, it would change how you live. 
So let me, let me ask you something else. I want you to actually think about your beliefs on this. Does life on earth... This is weird. Teenage angst question, maybe. But does life on this earth actually matter? Does being alive right here today actually matter? Or do you believe that this is all just a bunch of nonsense and let's just bypass it as soon as possible and get to them streets of gold? If we are just looking to get this done, skip out on everything just so we can get to the good old days or the good, the good coming days of the future, then we're missing the gift that God has called us to right here. I wish so much that I could just believe that this didn't matter. I really do. It would make things so simple, wouldn't it? I would follow some rules. I would stay out of trouble. And I would just get to those pearly gates for the good stuff. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to say this word in church, but I'm going to. I wrote down here. I'd love to forget about Every sucker out there that isn't getting it right because I'm heading to glory soon and all the troubles this world are behind me. You all know Mr. T? What was his phrase? I pity the fool. You know, he said, I pity the fool. I want to feel like we're saying, I pity the fool that isn't living right because he's just not going to make it into those pearly gates. But I don't believe that life on earth doesn't matter. I really don't believe that this is just a period of trials. And once it's over, man, we get the good stuff going. Jesus did not live his life as though this was nothing. I, I read about him caring for people. I read about him crying for people. Healing people. Changing lives. It really appears to me that he gave up everything that he could have had so that they might see something more. They might see that this life is what God created us for. And it might just be one part. I, I really, I, I can't tell you with certainty what's going to happen after the day I die. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But i got to believe that I'm on that part of a journey that makes sense to take care of now, to follow him now, to let him transform me now. Believe me, I've tried it both ways. I know some of you have tried it both ways as well. I've spent my time in my life not following him. And now, measuring against the time that I have been following him, I can say, um, there's no comparison really. There were some momentary worldly pleasures. And now, as we talked about while we're passing the peace, there is peace that is not understood outside of relationship with Jesus that only comes in relationship with Him. And that is part of that kingdom on earth stuff. Living with Him, wanting to see His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, really is the only way that's ever brought any sort of worthwhile peace, understanding. And honestly, that is, 
ever give me any sort of worthwhile purpose. I think you all may have an idea of what I'm talking about. As we read in John 3.3, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is interesting. Without allowing God to transform you, we can't really understand the kingdom. It is a lot like telling someone about the goodness you have experienced at Bucky's. Some of you that haven't been there, you're like, what is this place? Come on. I promise you, you're going to step in there. You're going to find the best snacks and brisket sandwiches you ever had. But you're also going to find the cleanest bathrooms on earth. It is like heaven. (laughs) Seeing the kingdom, God's kingdom, is seeing life as it should be. As it should be. We know how it is already, right? But seeing it through the eyes of Jesus, seeing His kingdom, is seeing how it should be. God in charge. God is King. Do we really believe the kingdom of God is something that we can start seeing now, today, and not just after we die? Being Born again. This might be a tough concept for some of you tough guys out there. I didn't mean to make eye contact, but you look like a tough guy. You got a good beard and stuff. Being born again is being born into his loving care. Helpless like newborns. You ever try to imagine yourself again as a helpless newborn? kind of a weird concept. But as a newborn, you have no control. You're being raised. You're being nurtured. And we release all this control to Jesus in our lives. He nurtures us. He raises us. Just as our mothers did when we were newborns. And as newborns, we trust our nurturing parents. A little guy, Jaron, he's two now. He trusts me with everything. I could tell him to do anything, and he would do it because he trusts me. You ever imagine yourself trusting Jesus in those same ways? That's scary stuff. But if we want to see the kingdom on earth that is in, is in heaven, that's the road that we're going to need to go down. We need to see through His eyes. See what it will become when we allow Him to rule everything. Imagine everyone you know saying, Jesus, you're first, you rule everything. He's the one with power over over death, isn't He? Death, Death has affected all of us in one way or another through the years, some more recently than others. The power over death for eternity. That guy is saying, let me take control of your life and I will show you a kingdom on earth that you never imagined possible. He's in charge. And he wants the good stuff now for you. 
Not after you die. I'm not really... I don't know. Doug, you may understand this. I like cars and motorcycles. I think of streets of gold. I just think of really slippery, you know. It's not good traction. So I don't, I, I don't think of the streets of gold as being all that great for me. There is good stuff now that he is leading us to, though. And here's where it is important for us who say, God, we want you, we want the kingdom of heaven. As God is saying, you've gotten a little taste of the good stuff. Taste of those beaver nuggets, brisket sandwich. Show somebody the whole big kazam. Take them with you. Help them understand it. So I want you right now to think of someone you know who is desperately in need of that kind of rebirth. Where they get to be nurtured again. Raised by the one who invented nurturing and caring for newborns. I've been shown some places here that are real obvious. A guy named Justin I met at Celebrate Recovery. Took me down to a place called uh, Jay's Food Store. It's a good hangout if you want to go down there. Off Bridgewood. Taking you by there, right? People obviously in need of a rebirth to see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. But there are people we work with who desperately need that. People in our families who their goal in life is just the earthly good things. The riches, that is their pursuit. And they don't realize that there is a different kind of life that comes through the kingdom of heaven lived out here on earth. These people are seeing everything and anything but the kingdom lived out on a daily basis. And frankly, many people we know are already living in hell. If you haven't been, I'm going I'm to plug Celebrate Recovery again. I love going there on Tuesday nights. Some of you all go there. And the great thing is, I hear stories on a weekly basis of people who were living in hell living in an earthly kingdom who were introduced to God's kingdom and now are living in the kingdom, seeing the possibilities of what it's like to live with God on an eternal basis already starting here today. I'm trying to convince about, condense about 17 sermons into one here. So, I want you to try to think about those people you were imagining that could, could see some kingdom here on earth. It would be really great for them to be reborn into the nurturing arms of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if there was someone who could just introduce them to that life? Wouldn't it be really great? You know anybody? Just anyone. Who could just share that sort of just a couple little beaver nuggets with them? Get a little taste. Maybe be enough for them to come along and see the kingdom with you. They want someone who can just show them that there's a place where hurt and hate are destroyed and they can just be nurtured again. One of my favorite 
favorite encounters in the Bible is where Jesus meets up with Andrew and Peter. Any of you watch The Chosen at all? It's not 100% biblically accurate. I like it because it's a good narrative. It's a good story. That is very true to, I think, what, what the Scripture is trying to say. I love it. Just the visual there of where Jesus is with Peter. Peter's a rough guy. Peter's a really rough guy. Peter's the kind of guy that if he stepped in here right now this morning, we'd be like, oh man, there's no conceit over there. Weirdo. He's like, that guy, he'd probably, he's going to knock one of my teeth out if I look at him wrong. And that was Peter. Jesus said to Peter, because he knew Peter was looking for something other than what he had in life. Follow me. But in that same breath, you know what else he said? I'm going to have you fish for men also. I'm going to make you not just a fisher of fish, a fisher of men. I don't know if this is the first time he met Peter or not, but he calls Peter to follow him. He calls him to start seeing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Peter goes with him. He starts to see it. What in the world, Jesus? Peter did not read the right books, I promise you. Peter didn't go through that extra special evangelism Bible study that we did. Have you ever seen Peter's seminary degree? Total failure. Jesus went to Peter and said, follow me. And then he said, get a bunch of schooling and then I'll make you a fisher of men. No, he said, follow me. I'm going to turn you into a person that invites others to see the kingdom here on earth. And people are going to find hope because of the life that you share with them. In fact, Peter, your name means rock. You were the foundation of the church that is to come. You, Peter, rough Peter, angry Peter. That's the point. There are people that need the kingdom of Jesus to be seen here on earth. And that is basically everyone that ever existed. And there is no hierarchy in that kingdom of who is better than another. Well, if there is a hierarchy, it looks a little bit like this. The first among you, well, you're going to be last. And the least among you, here's a seat at the head of the table. If there is any hierarchy, it is something along those lines. Because there is a hurting world out there that needs to know that seeing the kingdom of God is not just for a chosen few. And in that same breath, Jesus says, there is nobody who has seen the kingdom that is not called to share the kingdom. Jesus is longing for every lost sheep to be found. Every one. To be saved. To believe. To be born again. To be nurtured by Him. That's the kingdom that God dreams about. I was uh, 
daydreaming as I was writing some stuff down for, for this morning. And I, and I wrote this. I wrote, do you think that God doesn't dream of what could be? You ever imagine God dreaming? Like, Do you think God has hopes? Can't you imagine him dreaming of all of his children loving him as much as he loves them? And is, to me, that's just a great thought. God is up there just saying, man, I hope that kid realizes how much I love him. I hope that kid realizes how much I love him. And to have that, that relationship that he created them for. This is part of the sermon. You guys get excited as I say, hey, this is my last point, right? I could go a lot longer. I'll cut it short, save it for another time. Because the sermons on Sunday might actually be some of the least important things that we say throughout the week. Real life. The kingdom of heaven, honestly, it looks very little like this right here. The kingdom of heaven, those snapshots that we're talking about, they come throughout the week where you are. At the store, on the side of the road helping someone. As you're someone's boss, as you're someone's employee. As a doctor takes part of your leg out and replaces it. The kingdom is everywhere. And God is saying, join me and help those around you understand how great life is when we are together in his name. So here we are. We are called to follow the steps of Andrew and Peter. Matthew, John. None of those guys are really that special. I want you to know that. But they said, I'll follow you. I will do what you ask of me. So the, we, those who have been called, those who have said the magic words, Jesus, come in my heart. We are called to follow Jesus. We are called to be fishers of men. We are called to help everyone see the kingdom of earth the kingdom of heaven is meant to be here on earth. And we can usher that in as we follow him. When we realize that together, when we as a community, not just Church of the Nazarene, but when we realize that we, along with the people down those street that dress differently than we do, but have the same Bible, the ones that sit down and stand, stand up differently than we do, the ones that use louder drums or quieter drums or no drums. But basically, everyone who says, Jesus, you are my Savior, when we all band together and say, we are here to usher in your kingdom, Lord, can you imagine what this place is going to be like? When we stop saying, my ministry is to pay the pastor so that he can minister. <laughs> we say, my life is a living sacrifice to you, Jesus. Now it gets scary. 
Is it not scary to say, I don't, if I tell someone about Jesus, it is not going to work out well. I know it's not going to work out. Look at all the guys that were with Jesus that decided not to follow him. But I want you to think of one time in your life when you can say, there was a time that I know I was doing what God was asking me to. And I was serving as Jesus served. And that moment was something more special than anything I've ever experienced in my life. As we give up our will to serve Him, things are going to happen in you that you never imagined possible. Never. And as you fail, share it with your brothers and sisters here. Man, that did not go well. I blew it on that one. What does God ask you to do? Be a success? Why does God ask you to be obedient? It's a lot easier when you think of it like that. Man, I'm a huge failure. (laughs) I think about that almost every day. Man, I am just not good at what I want to be good at. But God, I'm going to follow you. Sounds like a good time to close in prayer, right? We'll have some communion as a community. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you can make some sense out of the nonsense that comes out of me sometimes. Lord, I really just, I want to be yours, and I know that my brothers and sisters here, they want to be yours. So do things within us that we can't do ourselves as we uh, don't put our thoughts together as, as clearly as we wish we could. We don't speak as smoothly as we wish we did. Father, we know that you have nothing but good stuff in store for us as you love us more than we love our own children. As you love us more than we've ever imagined loving someone else. So bring us together, Father, as a community, as an army, an army of soldiers that know nothing but love, though, for the enemy. And we know that your kingdom will be here on earth as it is in heaven. We praise you, Father. We look forward to this really incredible adventure that you have us on. In your name, amen. We come to the time of coming to the table. If you have your elements, you can grab them. If you don't have your elements, you're welcome to grab them in the back. And this is a time uh, that has become one of the most special times for me. Uh, the more I understand the significance of sitting across the table of, with someone. And how special that moment is and how connecting with someone, it's just different. I can connect with people on the golf course. I can connect with people at the workplace. But there's just something different when you are at the table and you're sharing a meal together. And so uh, this is open for all who profess Jesus as Lord.
This is open for all who are seeking to know more about Jesus. And maybe you say, I don't know that I'm there yet, but I want to know more. There's a seat at the table for you. We, we gather together every week and we remember what was done. We remember the price that was paid, uh, a price that we couldn't afford, a gift that we didn't deserve, and yet Jesus gave willingly. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room, and it, they were celebrating the Passover, which is something that had been celebrated for thousands of years, and it represented this delivery from Egypt. We were dead in Egypt, but because of God, we were alive. And Jesus took these very common elements and said, I'm about to do something new. You are physically dead in Egypt, living as slaves, and I saved you physically, but this is representing something more. What I'm about to do is take your spiritual life and do something very similar. You were spiritually dead without Jesus. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is life to be found. And that's the life that Jesus was talking about in John 3, being born again. And you can have this experience. And so, and so I'm going to pray, and you may be watching online, or you may be in this room right here, and you say, wow, what Jason was talking about, I want that. I, I want to know more about this Jesus. I, I never thought about the fact that God's kingdom isn't just a there and then, but it's a here and now. And why would I wait to have all of the glory then when I could have some of it now and I want it and I want to know Jesus and I want to know this Savior that can change my life forever and make me a different person and start to curve those um, attitudes and those actions that aren't like God and smooth out the rough edges and make me more like Jesus. And if you want that, I want to pray with you right now. So if everyone will bow your heads and, and if you want to pray this with me and maybe you have been a Christ follower for a long time, it is always good to say this prayer as a reminder of where Christ has brought you from and that he still has you. So pray with me, Jesus, I come to you as a human with flaws and scars but I thank you that you specialize in fixing broken things. And I believe that extends even to my life. I've let sin and other things break me. The truth is, Jesus, I started off broken. But I'd love for you to make me new. I'd love to be what you say, born again. So Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins, those things that I've done? Will you take away the sin in my life so that you can fill my life with all of you? I surrender to you today. And I pray this in the name of the one who is saving me even now and in the name of the one that I will follow from now on. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So on the night, he picked up these common elements and he's sitting around the table. And I'm sure that every one of them, well, 
assuming that the disciples were 20, 30, 40 years old, they had heard it every year. And just like I'm sure things can become, uh, this again, rote, ritualistic. Jesus has this way of infusing this shock and awe into the situation. And he says, guess what? I'm doing something new. And he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he, he hands it out and he says, this is my body, which will, be, which will be broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take eat and preserve you blameless. We often forget to say that, but we believe that this Jesus can preserve us and keep us blameless as we live in him. So take the bread and eat it now in remembrance of him. And in a similar way, he took the common element, which was the cup, cup that would be on every table in the city. And yet in that one upper room, he was beginning a new tradition. And he said, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. This cup represents the new covenant. We're celebrating the old covenant and deliverance from Egypt. But this new covenant is going to be your deliverance from sin. It's going to be your way to live the kingdom here on earth because as you take me in and live me, you will be bringing the kingdom of heaven. So take, drink, and be thankful. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for such a beautiful sacrifice. Our reasonable, reasonable response is to live our lives as living sacrifices for you. And so we do that and we'll leave this week looking for your kingdom, looking for ways to advance your kingdom, looking for ways to live in your kingdom, and looking for ways to invite others into your kingdom. Amen. Well, will you stand with me? Jason, thank you for bringing God's word today. Um, as we leave, we sing our benediction here. And so if you're at home, stand up in your living room. I don't care if you got your PJs on. Um, let's do this. Sing with me. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done and as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.